Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, back with a real presenter, i.e. me, not Alf, who's been stood down <laughs> by Chris and <laughs> <laughs> so this is a bit like the Oscars, we don't have a presenter Well we do, because it's me, not him Anyway, welcome to the show, lots to get through We are late this week, but we were late on purpose uh, Two reasons, one I had a tooth taken out uh, So I can talk properly, which is why I'm back as the presenter In case I hadn't mentioned that um, And also because the combine is underway The NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis is apparently snowing in Indianapolis right now But we shall have some of the latest news and chat around some of the issues that have come up in the first 24, 36 hours. But we shall kick off with the biggest news broken in the last sort of hour and a half. Broken is probably the wrong word, but Tony Pauline, the very well-respected blogger, uh, NFL commentator, tweeter, that's a term, um, has said Mm -hmm. the the latest gossip from around Indianapolis in terms of free agents. And Tony knows lots of people. Um, is very connected to scouts, but also to the media people that's high up, so the media circles, the Breers and the Kings and the Glazers, those sorts of people, mentioned that the Miami Dolphins, your Miami Dolphins, our Miami Dolphins, are the favourites currently in terms of the gossip uh, to land one Trey Flowers, the uh, outstanding defensive end from uh, the New England Patriots out of the University of Arkansas, who is a free agent. Deal likely to be in the five years, $75 million plus range. Gentlemen, I thought we were tanking for Tua Tunga Vailoa and not chasing, uh, not chasing high-priced free agents. And yet, and yet, the Trey Flowers news drops, whether or not we believe it, but it's a very interesting revelation. Chris, what do you think? Uh, th- nothing's changed. <laughs> If if they go after Trey Flowers for, you know, as you say, $15 million a year, basically, what's changed? What's changed about what they do this offseason versus what they have done every offseason since Steve Ross has taken over? Um, you know, and, and it's so weird to me. It's so striking because it's not just about the whole tanking thing, which I'm not sure I ever really believed to begin with. But it's about the fact that this is a marquee free agent item, a guy that's going to make $15 million a year. And Chris Greer has outright said already, like in interview, said it, I would rather have three good guys than one really good, you know, one really excellent, highly paid guy. He said that. And then to go out and and get uh, Trey Flowers – for $15 million a year, it's like, well, I don't care what you said. I care what you did. And, you know, there's no difference here. This is the same. This is definitely the same approach. And I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying, you know, I think if we had a quarterback the entire time, then this this new approach versus same old approach all, all would be nonsense anyway. But, um, but yeah, so so the most important thing is getting the quarterback. But yeah, it, there's nothing changed if they go after him. Alf? I would say so much for that tanking narrative that's been bandied about by all our beat writers because all this would signal is they're back into the same mode. You know, patching and trying to prod the salary cap to try to fit that one great player in when they can. And to tell you the truth, I'm all for it. And you know why I'm all for it? Because if they had a quarterback, we wouldn't be here in this mess that we are that we're currently in. 
where we look around the roster and we say, oh, my God, we don't have a guard. We don't have a center. You know, we need interior linemen. We need an edge rusher. We need all those things. If we had a quarterback and we were consistently winning nine and ten games and in the playoffs every single year, we'd be talking about filling out the edges of the roster. Mm-hmm. Except that we've heard this week that we've heard this week that Josh Sitton believes he's one and uh, one and done, but really one game and done. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre Branch <laughs> is done. That's Robert amazing. Quinn, yeah, isn't it? Robert Quinn is done. Andre Branch is done. Cam Wake is a free agent. All these guys, you know, Barry Jackson was talking about the defensive tackles that we keep, and literally it was just Vincent Taylor and Davon Godchow, and everybody else was gone. Yep. Is this a is this a defensive rebuild and a team rebuild, but certainly a defensive rebuild around arguably, you know, you think back of a free agency over the last few years, this is arguably, I can't think of a more system fit for what this team is going to do, clearly going to do, mm-hmm. because, you, you know, the Brian Flores image from, from New England is going to be pretty much what you've seen for the last few years with the Patriots. This is... You know, if we do, if you do land flowers, at least you are getting. You're not getting on Derek and Sue, and he's not. You know, this is a player who is a dream scenario pick for this defense, mm-hmm. this new defense. Is there anything wrong with chasing that dream if he is such a phenomenal fit for this system, which he patently is? I think that I I think you're right. So, of course, I mean, I think you bring up an excellent point about the system fit and trying to. It's going to be hard transitioning over to this um, this new defensive system. But I I go back to like Indomitian Sue. They got him, and then they fit. They 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 kind of redid the system basically Mm. for him, right? Mm. I mean, that wasn't a bad system fit. They no, it wasn't. But it was a. But they weren't bringing him to a system. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't the system wasn't in place, and they were just sliding him in. That that everybody else had to change. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This is this is that's what's going on here too. Everybody else has to. Everybody that's existing right now. Yeah, that's the difference, I suppose. Everybody that everybody that's existing, and realistically, you're looking potentially at two defensive tackles, Harris essentially because you kind of have to keep around. For mm. at least one more year, yeah. probably the two kids at linebacker, yeah, and the maybe two three. kids, I mean, Chase, maybe uh, three, yeah, yeah. But in terms of starters, probably, and then so, you yeah, know, right. secondary is slightly different, isn't it? And the kind of, yeah, uh, mm. and you you mix, you, you take on board the Flores defense. You, you know, Stefan Gilmore is Xavier Howard. You know, for better or for worse, in terms of you know, they want that hard lockdown man cover guy, which they got. Boom. Mm-hmm. then who's going to be their McCourty? Who's their JC Jackson? Where does Fitzpatrick play? Do you know what I mean? They're, the, the back end is less of an issue, but certainly that front seven, there's a player that you can ping in from day one and you build the entire unit around this guy, which is something we've probably never mm-hmm. really done before in terms of just, you, you know, because he's, you know, he's kind of the coach's kid in a way. He's the head coach's kid. It's that, that's what they built that defense in, in New England around. It was... You know, as he came on in the, certainly the last two years, that's what they were, those defensive ends and the way that system works. It's, uh, I think it's fascinating because I think he, he's a great, you know, a really good player, a very under-the-radar player who will cost a lot of money, but is a slightly different move for a team that is always trying to win the offseason. Well, I think that one, uh, I, one of the unique things about it is I think he wants to be here, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of why that conversation this conversation is happening to begin with 
Um, because, you know, I've heard, I've heard from people that have contacts through Arkansas that he doesn't really want to be in New England anymore. Um, and that Miami is, you know, is, is high on his list. Like he really, and, um, and that was even a little bit, I, I can't remember if that was even before we'd actually hired Brian Flores. Um, but he was rumored for a while before we hired him because he still had a Super Bowl run to take care of. But um, so I think he wants to be here. And I think for that reason, for, as you say, the d- defensive system fit, you know, there, there are a lot of things that make sense about it. The one thing that doesn't make sense about it is the allocation, the $15 million a year when Chris Greer has just, you know, emphatically stated, I'd rather have three guys than, than one guy for that price. And, yeah, but if, um, you're dumping, if you're dumping Robert Quinn and Andre Branch, aren't you essentially slotting in, slotting in Trey Flowers at a discount over those two guys? I think the Robert Quinn – well, and, and, and let's talk about Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn was supposed to be per- perfect for this system, and he ended up not being worth it. It ended up being a, being a mistake. I mean, he, he was way overpaid, way overpaid for what he, was, what he was giving the Miami Dolphins. And here we slide in another guy. I don't know that the Patriots system on defense has ever really been built around those pass rushers. I don't think that's, that's really true. I think they've always gotten it the pass rush off of – off of guys that are third, fourth rounders, or guys they pick up off the scrap heap like Chris Long, or but the point uh, is that the point is that he's not really a pass rusher in there. He's not Frank Clark or D. Four. He, he he's not that guy, is he? And we've talked about this before, but their system is predicated not on what their pass rushers can do upfield, but it's so much about lane discipline, isn't it? It's so much about setting the edge. It's you know Flowers is, was never going to. I mean Chandler Jones was kind of the the outlier in terms of huge sack totals. But beyond that, I mean, you look at the way Adrian Claiborne was a healthy scratch for the last five or six games of the season before the playoffs. It was because he simply couldn't get his head around, you know, not rushing too far upfield, containing run game. It wasn't all about pressure on the quarterbacks from the edge guys. That often came from Van Noy, that came from Hightower, that came from the interior pressure, that came from all sorts of things. It wasn't just you know, bending the arc for the two guys on the perimeter. That, that's not kind of how their system is predicated, really, is it? Well, he's an inside pass rusher. Yeah, I mean, for, for that's, sure. That's where he that's where he plays most of his downs. But he's that uh, kind of J.J. Watt inside pass, pass rusher. Yeah, exactly. No, as far as, as, but, far he as is, but he is a very efficient pass rusher. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, as far as I could tell, Trey Flowers is really, really good at grabbing tackles and guards and allowing other guys to get to the quarterback. And now, if, I've got, if that's I've, what we're going to teach over here, I'm, I'm all for it. I've got a question for you, Alf. Do you think that you can sign Trey Flowers and still be a not very good football team in terms of tanking is the wrong word, but in terms of because it feels like, as we'll get to, it feels like Kyler Murray is now out of our wheelhouse in terms of draft. Yeah, we'll no. talk about Josh Rosen, we'll talk about Dwayne Haskins, but both seem unlikely. Um, mm. And then you're looking at scraps because it feels like Nick Foles is off to Jacksonville. Then you're looking at Tyrell Taylor or Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, 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 and that's with the other option that we probably have to discuss at some point is, mm. is it worth keeping Ryan Tannehill around? You know, that's oh, an option. Boy. But, that, but that. that's an option that, you know, yeah, because it feels like, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, that it's risky, but they're clearly there's clearly a level, or it feels like there's a level of comfort with 2020, however we feel about that being a right or wrong move. But do you think that we can be a bad football team and still sign, you know, Trey Flowers signing for the Dolphins automatically does not put them in the playoffs. So can you still be a three or four win team with somebody that you are now building 
you know, the groundwork of what feels like quite a good defense around. I think it's virtually impossible to be a bad football team if that's the way that they're going to go because this team – Well, you can be bad. Well, you, what is you, bad? Bad, bad not being a two- or three-win team. Yeah, but what's, you know, what's bad? Was our team, team last bad. year bad? Because they were seven and we were, six. We were bad last year, and we were seven. We were, we were a seven-win team. So yeah, but we bad. were seven and six with three games to go looking right at the playoffs. Okay. And had they beaten the Indianapolis Colts in the middle of the season, they would have been in the driver's seat down the stretch and could have gotten in even with nine wins. Beth so, Lyon had balls. Yeah, well, but all of those things happened. Okay, I mean, for with sure. a team that's going to be, in my opinion, inferior to the one that we're going to have now because you're going to have further development of our younger players. Plus, you're going to have a system. Plus, you're going to have yeah. better coaching, a better direction. So- so here's a question for you both then. We'll start with you, Ralph. Will the Miami Dolphins sign Trey Flowers as a free agent, yes or no? The noise is loud enough that I think... Come on, dude. Off the fence. You do. Chris? I say, I say no. I mean, and with all, all due respect to Tony Pauline, he talks to a lot of people, and I respect him tremendously. Um, spoken with him before, and I know that he, when he goes to these all-star games and he goes to, these, to the combine, he is pounding the pavement and talking to these people and, and getting good information. But in this case, I think this is uh, more or less quote unquote league information um, and not necessarily uh, Miami Dolphins information. And I have trouble believing it, especially in light of what Chris Greer just said about he would rather have three guys than one really high priced one. I'll tell you why I think it could happen and where the tea leaves are that you can read and, suggest that it will happen and that's the money they're going to have they can spend that money and it's it's not prohibitive it's not going to destroy your cap it's you're still going to have money to sign Larry Tunsil going forward you're still going to have money to sign Xavier Howard and most of the other guys that you want to keep are on either rookie deals or they're going to be cheap coming up in two years plus Jake Rudock is not on a lot of money Kenyon Drake coming forward So I think I, I don't know the if they're going to have the money. I don't know if they're going to have the money. I know they can free up payroll with, mm. with all the guys that we've talked about, but that doesn't mean freeing up cap space. They're going to free up cap space too, but they're also going to take a, a ton of cap charges this, yeah. this, this year. They're going to flush down the toilet uh, a lot of built up cap charges that have been built up over the years. And I know people talk about salary cap hell and, and stuff like that, but I think it's a completely voluntary exercise to, to you know, flush these accruals down the toilet, which they appear to be doing this year. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's what they're going to do, though. So you're going to have a payroll that's like, that's something like, you know, $70 million below what your actual cap number is mm. this year. I, I think. They've, they've essentially got to work out which foot they want to shoot themselves in. <laughs> the, the the good right one which they kick with or the the shoddy left one which is really gonna you know is essentially just for standing on right i've got another yes or no question for you because obviously the combine is starting and let's let's leave free agency behind and head to indianapolis um do we believe after everything that's happened in the last 48 hours with steve kine going back to the cliff kingsbury interview from when he was head coach at texas tech to the weigh-in today for kyle and murray where he weighed in at three foot four inches and 92 pounds um do we believe yes or no will the arizona cardinals make kyler murray the number one pick in the draft chris yes yes i do i think so i I was holding out a little hope but no (laughs) 
Alf? I mean, no. Really? Okay. I took, it, I took his comments. I took his comments of Josh Rosen being our quarterback now. You know, remember when he said that that word? You know, he said, yeah, he's he's our quarterback for now. I took it to mean that he was just signaling to the rest of the league, hey, we're open up for we're open for business. And if you're willing to give us a, a whole haul of picks, you can have Kyler Murray because and it, and oh, if you don't, then we're going to take him. <laughs> maybe, maybe it could be as simple as that. But I think it's completely yeah. open to trading it. There's too much time. There's too much time. If the draft were held the week after they hired Cliff Kingsbury, then they pass on Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen as their guy and stuff like that. But it's not. There's there's three months in between, right? And that's three months for Cliff Kingsbury to work on. Listen, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't just admire Kyler Murray, okay? They have a relationship, all right? They've had a relationship since Kyler was in high school. And they're close. I mean, Kyler has described it. He said, you know, we're really good. You know, we have a really good, good relationship. We have a really tight relationship. And he's always admired me as both a player and off the field as a kid. And, um, you know, I, I, they're, they're really close. And they talk and they keep in contact. And I think that Kingsbury's going to work on them. And he's been working on them. And I think even when he's not working on them, they're kind of working on themselves because they have to be imagining what the Cliff Kingsbury offense would look look like if he has the guy that he really wants as their quarterback. And that's the guy he really wants. I guarantee it. Okay, it's not Josh Rosen. It's not Josh Rosen. And so, yeah, so I, think that, I think that this is too much time. It's too much time between now and then. By the time you get to – I mean, you're already getting, what, Josh Rosen taking all his – cardinal stuff off his instagram and claiming he got hacked <laughs> I, mean, I, I think i think there's just so much time between now and then so much intrigue by the time you get to draft day foregone conclusion let's just put it out there for the dolphins fans that are listening okay i can say it in no more um no more straighter terms than this kyler murray will not be a miami dolphin he will not under any circumstance unless they pull a mega trade which I just cannot foresee happening because that just doesn't sit with the mentality of what this team feels like it's about to be built on. Well, now they're just Trey Flowers. He will not be a Miami. Yeah, well, but I, I can't see them giving up huge collateral to get from 13 to 1. I just can't. I could, I, see it for, I could see it for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think I can see it for somebody as good as he is and we know that he is. Hmm. There are still risks that you don't necessarily – you're not going to get with Trevor, for example. And here's the thing about and here's the thing about the Cardinals at number one. I was listening to Rich Eisen with uh, with Daniel Jeremiah, and Daniel Jeremiah said something very interesting. Who has twelve picks in this year's draft? The New England Patriots. Josh Rosen to the to New the England New Patriots England makes perfect sense. And he says that yeah. that the Patriots had a much higher grade than on average of all the teams that he spoke to last year on Josh Rosen. So. Mm-hmm. It would make perfect sense for Washington. the Patriots to, to toss a first and a second yeah. and get Josh Rosen. Washington yeah. and New England would be the two teams that I would sense that would be front and center of a Josh Rosen derby. And it was pretty obvious that the Dolphins weren't enamored with Rosen last year because he was essentially, we were a pick away from getting him if we wanted him. And we did, yeah. you know, there was no, was no effort made to, like we did years ago with Vernon Carey, we moved up a slot to secure him with, for a fourth round pick. There was no, you know, there were other teams that were after quarterbacks that could have moved up and down the draft board. For a team that was desperate for a quarterback, Miami made little to no effort to, you know, mm-hmm. to have show any interest in taking Rosen. Um, so I don't think it will be the Dolphins, Dolphins fans. 
but I do think it could be easily be the New England Patriots. And you say to Josh Rosen, you know what? You've already wet your feet with a terrible offense, really and truly. Come and sit behind Tom Brady for two years, and then take over Josh McDaniels, New England Patriots. A, you know, a six, seven, eight-time Super Bowl winner. You know, good luck with that, Josh. And I'll give you, I'll give you another reason why Kyler Murray will not end up here, and that's who sits at number three, the New York Jets. Yeah, all the blocker. Like, let's say, let's <laughs> say that Kyler Murray does not go number one, and they just say, you know what, we're taking Bosa, and you guys have fun with Kyler Murray. All the teams that are going to be really wanting Kyler Murray are going to have to move up to number three, mm. and the Jets are going to sit there. And if we make a place a call to the New York Jets. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to make a trade with Adam Gase and, and our chief rival in the division for our savior. Yeah, they're not going to do that for us. Yeah, I agree. We would have to. We would have to be manage a trade with San Francisco at number two. Yeah, and, so, uh, because the, the Jets will put themselves up for. They've already put themselves open for business for trading. They've already said it, and so they're they're making efforts. And so teams like. You know Cincinnati, who has extra picks, and um, and some other teams. You know they can move up to the Jets' pick at number three if we're um, if we're if if we get there. Well, I don't think we're going to get there because Kyler Murray is going number one to the Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals anyway. But um, I think that if if they were for some reason to uh, to to pass on him, then we'd have to be talking to the number two team, San Francisco. And you're not going to do that from thirteen. You can't do that from 13 because no. you're San Francisco and you're looking at what Quinnen Williams or Nick Bosa or somebody like, or Josh Allen or somebody. Josh Allen, yeah. and, and and you're like, Oh, now I'm going to move all the way down to 13 and get who like Brian Jay Burns Jay. or yeah. Yeah. Like, or Brian Burns or, uh, or, you know, Chris, I love Christian Wilkins, but versus Quinnen Williams. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, it's too big of a move. And what you saw the, the Philadelphia Eagles do when they got Carson Wentz was sort of the two-stage thing. Like, they have to move up a little bit, and then they can move up, you know, to that number two pick and, and get who they want. So Miami would have to execute that. And, you know, something in me is just like, when does Miami ever do yeah. that? When does Miami ever, ever I've got, do that sort I've, of thing? I've got another two-headed yes or no monster for you. Uh, um, and people, you know, around this time of the year, everybody gets a bit crazy about the draft and, and draft picks. Uh, my theory is that the Dolphins won't trade up, but they'll actually trade down because they're collecting picks. They want players. They want picks for next year, potentially. Um, and we'll get to that and the reasons why. But would you imagine Miami staying where they are and picking at 13? Or would you envisage a more likely scenario where they deal down, much like the, New England, uh, much like the Green Bay Packers did last year, when they swapped a first-round pick in this year's draft with New Orleans so that the Saints could come up and get Marcus Davenport. Do you think it more likely, yes or no, that the Dolphins deal down to pick up extra picks? I think it's, I think it's really likely because I could see a team like the Kansas City Chiefs that are staring a Super Bowl right in the face, and, they, and who knows? Uh, you know, This is hypothetical, but let's, let's say that they consider Greedy Williams the next, the next great lockdown corner in the NFL. If there's a run on those three big corners, Baker, Murphy, Williams, one of those, two of those three go, you could potentially think that they would start to worry. I can imagine Kansas City saying, we'll give you our number one this year and our number one next year for your number one this year. And I think that'll be something that we would jump at. And I would jump at, to be honest with you, because that would give us a lot of ammunition Mm. to be able to move up for one of those quarterbacks. Maybe we need Herbert next year. We need to move up. Well, we'll have two first-round picks to get him. Chris? 
I think almost a certainty that they're going to move down. If yeah. I mean, if if Kyler Murray's out of it, almost a certainty. And I go back to for context last year, and the fact that Steve Ross wanted that last year, and really complained about the fact that you know, hey, what are we really doing here? We're trying to push this bad position, this bad roster. We're not trading down and acquiring more picks. The things that he kind of views as good teams as doing, mm-hmm. and um, and we didn't do that. You know, had to be. You know, what, what did he say, Vontae Mac? Yeah. <laughs> and um, and and that's so that's Steve Ross's mindset. And I think that not only is there a chance that he will continue to pound that with uh, with Chris Greer, I think it could have been part of Chris Greer getting that promotion. Is like, you know, what's what's your mindset going to be heading into this? And Chris Greer could have been like, oh, you know, trade down. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and get some more picks and i think that that's probably been the mindset i mean they're they're meeting with Jawan taylor of, mm. of you know florida florida and um and that's i think that's a trade down type thing don't you um, um uh, i wonder i wonder i mean it depends you look at those you look at those tackles taylor and um uh, the kid from washington uh washington state and jola williams obviously mm-hmm. somebody's gonna you know that they're in the mix for to be the top tackle to Dillard uh, is the Washington State kid in the mix to be the top tackle off the board. So uh, I don't know. I mean, let's just throw some because this is what people like most of all, and this is why people download the podcast when we start talking about this juicy shit. But let, let let's just I'm going to throw some position names out. If it feels like if we trade down for a quarter, if we trade down and pick up an extra first, then to take Daniel Jones say at the 26 pick just seems. Pointless. I mean, it seems pointless anyway, but it seems yeah. even more pointless. You don't collect an extra first-round pick in the 2020 draft, which feels like to be it's going to be a quarterback bonanza to then take a you know Ryan yeah. Tannehill light. I mean, I don't. I just don't see us to you know Daniel Jones is a very reminiscent player of Ryan Tannehill. He looks like him physically. He wears the same number. He's very mobile. He's cerebral, but although Tannehill is you know, not cerebral in a football sense, he's fast too. He's he, fast, yeah. not. He's fast, but not agile, not not elusive. <laughs> and he's got a small arm. He's got a weak arm, whereas Tannehill's uh, got a strong well, Tannehill arm. Tannehill did not have a small arm. Uh, no, absolutely not. It's not likely to be a running back. It's not likely to be a wide receiver. It's well, probably not likely to be a tight end. You know, or they could get sexy about Hawkinson or, or, or Noah Fant, but it's unlikely given, you know, it feels like they've given up on Kasiki if, if they take a tight end in the mid-20s or wherever they'd land if they do deal down. Offensive line, obviously, we talked about Taylor there. You look at Dillard, you look at Jonah Williams, potentially you could slot Jonah Williams in a left guard and, you know, you could have a left side of an offensive line that would be pretty sexy for a, a fairly long time. Dalton Risner is another kid, the kid at Kansas State who can play all over the line. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel like, you know, in a trade-down scenario in the late first round, that might make a little bit more sense. I, I, I don't Bradbury. know. Garrett Bradbury, the kid at, at uh, NC State, is another. Defensive line, obviously, there's lots of defensive linemen that you could talk about. And if you deal down, you know, where does Christian Wilkins end up? How high do teams, you know, if you don't get Trey Flowers, where do you feel a, a, a Charles Amenahu a fits in terms of, you know, is that a little bit too spicy for him back into the first round? But there are lots of, you know, there are some intriguing defensive players, certainly on that defensive line. Linebackers. Yeah, J.J. Polite end up going. Where's, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if Brian Rocky Burns is. Rocky Sin could be in the 20s. And, yeah. If, and if, you, could, you might have even your choice at any of these safeties. 
Well, that's it, that's where I would go with this. Well, this is where I was just getting to, I, actually. Yeah, safety is the interesting one. Because... That's where I've been trying to to steer fans for a while is to think about this because everybody's obsessed with the lines, especially mm. like let's say they do pick up Trey Flowers. Let's say the report is accurate and Miami is the front runner, and Trey Flowers very much a guy for the defensive front, a defensive line guy. Um, they trade down. And what are they going to be looking at? Well, okay, they're they're moving to a system where they're going to play six defensive backs, like probably one out of three snaps, and then seven defensive backs, which was almost unheard of a, more than a couple of years ago. Um, they're going to play seven defensive backs, like what something like one out of ten snaps, and they couldn't even field they couldn't even field six last year. If everybody was healthy, okay? Mm. They're not going to go into a game, every other game, and be like, ah, you know, this guy's banged up, so I guess we can't use dime today. Um, no, they're not going to do that. That's, they're going to use dime. They're going to use quarter. They're going to they're gonna use what they need to use uh, and get extra defensive backs on the field opportunistically according to the situation. So they need defensive backs. They have Definitely. three. I mean, they have Rashad Jones, yes, but – how long is Rashad Jones going to really be here? I mean, he, he basically walked off the field during a game last year, and I don't think there are good feelings about that. Uh, he's got two bum shoulders. He's old. He's got a, a you know very inflated contract. Um, he's complaining about how he was used. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't I see so, in my like, opinion. lasting very long. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's gone. Done. I mean, right. he's he's done. I mean you look at safeties, three, for example. you got three guys. You need like you look, eight. I know. You look at safeties, you can throw, for example, probably five or six names into that back, you know, that essentially are going to go off the board between 26 and 40, 45. Mm, and, right. and nobody's going to over, you know, if, if they get drafted at 26 or at 45 or at 43 or at 27, nobody's going to complain that they're in a reach or that they've fallen too far because that's kind of, and it's really just where you slot them in, where individual two, but you're looking at Nazir Adley from Delaware can play inside, outside. You're probably looking at Deontay Thompson, who's more of a pure safety. Don't want to get, you know, you don't want the ball in behind him necessarily, but everything in front of him, you know, he's not Minka Fitzpatrick, but he's a good player. You're looking at the kid from Washington, Taylor Rapp can play pretty much, you know, he's an interesting name, isn't he? I mean, he can play all over that back seven. You know, he's a, he is a good run defender, but also good angles, understands when the ball's in the air, those sorts of things. Uh, and then you you throw in the kid Jonathan. of Florida, another yeah, uh, Jonathan Abraham's the other guy I was going to mention, uh, and um, uh, Boston College, Garner, jo- the Boston College kid, Lucas Dennis. Well, I don't know if he's ra- if he's gonna, yeah, I don't think he's probably really going to be that, that high to me. Yeah, but um, he's more he was more of a what second round talent you would say. Gardner Johnson and um, and Abraham are the uh, are the other two that I think are definitely worth mentioning in that in that area, but all of a sudden there's five players where you think if you know, maybe I think also you have to consider that, that Juan Thornhill of, of West Virginia. uh, I I don't know where exactly he's going to go, but he's, he's looking at a day two type of, yeah, because he's tall, he's tall. He's got some good, good length to him. Um, And so that's going to remind people of like a John Johnson, but also, I mean, you look at it. I mean, he's, he's got like 13 picks over the last three years. And in that secondary, un, under um, you know Nick Howell is their defensive coordinator. He's been 
uh, defensive coordinator at BYU, and and um, when Bronco Mendenhall came over to, uh, to to Virginia, that's you know his guy again. Uh, they do some really interesting things with the secondary and their coverage and, and the versatility and and all the different coverages that they mix in. And Juan Thornhill is like he plays everything, and he plays mm. like real safety positions. It gets these plays and makes these picks from real safety positions. Whereas like a Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who you mentioned, um, I like the player a lot, but he's like been strictly a slot. He's strictly yeah, I mean, a slot. He didn't play deep at all really in 2018, no. did he? I mean, you didn't really see him in the back, you know, and certainly if you throw on the 2017 tape, that's where you see mm-hmm. his range much more as a free safety. But really right. last year he, he, he was pretty much, absent from that from that position um mm. thornhill does remind me of the kid that i really liked last year who actually went on to have a really good season with the bengals jesse bates mm. in terms of that ability yeah. on the back end of you know of just see ball get ball especially yep. in 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 coverage rap is an interesting I mean, I think yeah I, he, is. I, he he to me he, he's intelligent as well he just feels like a sort of a he feels like a i mean he feels like a patriots guy Mm. He does, and I, you kind of feel like you, you're going to have to start talking about that in terms of the Dolphins and where that and, is. The, and Amani Hooker, he didn't mention. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know love you kid. Like him a lot. He, he's going to remind to me. He's going to remind you a little bit of because he plays in the slot so much, but he's also a bigger, you know, bigger dude. Um, and I think that you know, if you're looking for a Patrick Chung analog, yeah, it's Amani Hooker, probably. Hundred percent. Yeah. And in terms of those corners, and uh, you know, Alfie mentioned them, but you know, you throw them on in any order that you want. Really, Murphy, the kid from Washington, mm-hmm. uh, Greedy Williams, obviously at LSU, Dee Dee Baker at Georgia, mm-hmm. um, and then it, it feels like those three have separated from the pack a little bit. And then you've got you've got guys like Hooker, you've got Rocky Asin, the kid at Temple, and then you throw in you know Trayvon Mullen at, at Clemson, Julian Love at Notre Dame, and Amani or exactly Joan Williams. Amani Oroware at uh, Penn State. There are guys, again, probably in that sort of 28 to 50 area mm-hmm. that are going to come up. There'll, there'll be a run of corners, you know, and, and it's you kind of pick your you pick the your poison, as it were, in terms of what yeah. you feel like fits. But you know what tends to happen when a position starts to run, mm-hmm. then people sort of dive in. And it feels like those, you know, a lot of those players that we've just mentioned, both at safety and at corner, can come off the board in that sort of 25 to 55, 60 area. Um, uh, and that's where real good value is. But if the Dolphins do trade down, and Chris, you've been banging this drum for a long time, defensive back is something that people have sort of taken their eye off the ball in terms of what the Dolphins need. But you go out and get yourself a Trey Flowers, you keep Xavier and Howard, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you throw in a Taylor Rapp and, you know, mm-hmm. or a Christian Wilkins, and then you come back in the back end of the second round with a, you know, with well, a Thornhill or a... I think those are the two big transitions for this defensive style to go to the Patriots style of defense. If you think about it, there's the there's the outside linebacker type because they're going to move to multiple defense, three four, four three. Um, they need somebody. They need a Trey Flowers in in particular, and that's a big that's a big thing to transition to that style of defense. But the second big thing to transition to that style of defense is what they do with the defensive backs, how many defensive backs they throw on the field. The Patriots were, I'm not kidding, eight, I'm not exaggerating, eight deep in the defensive secondary. Miami is, if they have Rashad Jones, four deep. If they don't have Rashad Jones, they're three deep. We have no idea what they have. And guys like Cornell Armstrong or Jalen Davis 
or Cordrea Tankersley. Tankersley. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, they're they're right now three deep. You know, plus Rashad Jones, whatever's going to happen with him. And so they need they need bodies, man. They need, and that's that's the biggest. That's probably the biggest transition that needs to be made, even bigger than the Trey Flowers type. My my final sort of putting you on the spot, yes or no type thing. Just quickly, both of you, just give me two names. One is the player that you think right now on day two of the combine that Miami would draft if they were picking 13th. And let's say they traded down to the 27th spot and picked up a first rounder in 2020. Give me the name that you think they would draft there. Alf, you go first. So a pick for 13 and a pick for 27. I think at 13, Greedy Williams. And if they traded down, I think Taylor Rapp really makes a lot of sense. Nice, Chris. I think if they stay put where they are, Christian Wilkins is yeah. the most uh, most likely. But if they trade down, then, you know, a safety. And it's hard to say which one, but I'll go with Jonathan Abram for now. Okay, nice. So, the other news to come out of the combine, I, I would go Wilkins and, uh, and probably Rap actually, for people that mm. actually care, which I doubt they do. <laughs> but anyway, the other news that came out of the combine was Chris Greer's press conference. Uh, it feels like... Um, Every single press conference that the Dolphins do now between now and the end of this administration will be duller than fuck. Because these guys say fucking nothing. I mean, nothing. Chris Greer has got the personality of dried paint. And (laughs) I mean, I'd rather watch grass grow and listen to Brian Flores talk. Uh, and somehow Brian Flores says even less than Chris Greer. Doesn't he? It's astonishing. <laughs> the one thing that Chris Greer did manage to get out and is, you know, the one piece of news was, was that he was very was very much intent on keeping Juwan James around. James is a free mm-hmm. agent, probably looking for $9 million a year. Um, a decent right tackle in a league that doesn't have a lot of really good right tackles. Um what do we feel about this? Do we think that this is smokescreen, getting his agent to the table? Do we think he's going to allow him to hit free agency and the market might not develop as much as he likes and then bring him back at a cheaper deal? Does the Joanne Taylor conversation, is that a message to the James agent? Is that realistic? Because it feels like you draft Juwan Taylor to play with right tackle when you've already got Juwan James. That feels like you're taking one step forward, one step back, in a way, in terms of essentially just using a first-round pick to replace somebody you could have paid to keep around that you've had in your team for five years. I don't know. What, what do we think? Juwan James, in or out? Oh, well, I'm in on it. But it's it's another indication that, you know, all this tank talk, mm-hmm. you know, is just talk, really. Because if, if there's a depreciating asset on our team that's up for a contract, besides Cam Wake, because I think Cam Wake is actually pretty – a pretty damn good asset for a Super Bowl contender because he's still successful at getting there to the is. quarterback. And he's going to be cheap relatively for, for a team out there that you know, wants to win a Super Bowl. Like, let's say Kansas City. You replace Deep Ford for one year, for one year of Cam Wake at, let's say, $11 million a year. Are you really going to use, lose a beat? You're not. Yeah. He's plug and play to me. Yeah, what do you think so, about what do you think about letting Juwan James walk and signing somebody like Cameron Fleming, who the Patriots guys will know very well? We went to the Cowboys for a year um, uh, playing him at right tackle, for example, paying him not a great deal of money. Because, do you, I mean, uh, do we feel like John James is worth $9, 10000000 million a year? Well, I've already said this- that I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him that much money because I think that you're, you're going you're gonna to end up paying Laramie Tunsil quite a bit of money mm. for left tackle. 
And I don't know if I if I think that Miami's been playing with, you know, a twenty five million dollar tandem at, uh, at 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 tackles the past couple of years. If we have, you know, could fool me. Um, yeah. At, yeah. yeah, and and that's so. I think that I would let him go. I would, you know, I think that you can get right tackles. I like Chuma Adoga of USC a lot in this draft, and I think that he's underrated. You can pick him up pretty later i think even jesse davis uh with pat flaherty uh as the coach i think that he could he could play right tackle and be all right i think whoever's a quarterback <laughs> I just sinks into my mouth cross <laughs> i think no whoever's a quarterback no next year is probably not going to do very well anyway yeah i don't know I, I i wouldn't pay him i don't think um but i think if they do pay him, and if Chris Greer, if what he said is indicative of what they're going to do, and they're going to make a real effort to keep him, then I, I don't think we're operating under any new rules. It's just more evidence that we're not operating so much under new rules like what Steve Ross said in his press conference, mm-hmm. uh, so much as the old rules, which are that you keep your own young talent. Yeah. And, think that they make an effort to keep their own young talent and Jawan James fits that bill he's a young talent and they're going to focus on keeping him and that's that's Chris Greer's way yeah I I spoke with with a Cowboys contact of mine and I asked him about Camp Fleming and he just told me in no uncertain terms we do not want Camp Fleming Mm. I think the New England guy I think I think the New England guys would feel differently about Camp Fleming would they? Um, I mean, uh, you know, I think as a plug and play guy, like you know, Mark he Colombo? filled in. Well, pff, Christ, nobody's as bad as Mark Colombo. <laughs> I mean, not even Colombo, the detective. He could probably have done a better job. Well, this, is a, this is a fair question to ask about New England guys that leave New England, though. Don't they leave New England because New England doesn't really value them? I don't know. Do they or do they? I mean, does I mean, uh, a New England letting Trey Flowers leave because they don't value him? I don't know. Oh, I mean, yeah, it could very well be though that they don't. I mean, they they must like him, but but maybe that's life. just maybe that's just the way that they operate. Yeah. That unless you're called yeah, Tom Fleming Brady, fifteen million a year. No, of course not. Of course <laughs> not. But you know, history is listed with Patriots that have left, and unless your name is Tom Brady, I mean, look, they're letting Trent Brown walk. Trent Brown can you know conceded what one sack this season. Oh, they're very tremendous. good at renting guys, aren't they? Aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 you know, you mentioned uh, Adoga, the USC. The, this, I think this plug-and-play right tackle starters in, you know, in the draft that you can find in the mid-round. Dennis Daly of South Carolina is a kid I like. I think could could easily step in. You know, the, the kid at Clemson, Mitch Hyatt's a 59, 52-game starter. You know, I think you could do worse in the fifth round than, than, than somebody like that. Josh Miles at Morgan State is a, is a kid I, oh, I've watched, and I think he's really good. Um, I think you could, you know, I just don't necessarily see the value of signing Juwan James at north of nine and a half million pounds. I, to me, that's just not what, to me, that's what the Dolphins of old would do. And if they are yeah. really going to rip out and start again, I don't yeah. think they can be doing that deal. And, you know, Chris Greer, for all that we said that he didn't say much, if you actually analyze what he said, we would like him back. Well, you know, you probably would like him back, but you'd like yeah. him back for, for 60 you know, sixty dollars a year, not That's for right. nine million. You know, what he didn't say was we don't. We, you know, we'd like him back, but not for nine million. So <laughs> we shall see. They're we shall have see. 
I mean, and then they haven't even talked to him because I guess he's, he's getting married soon. And yeah, he's getting and so they're like, you know, you got a lot on your plate. Uh, let's let you take care of that. And then, and then they're going to, you know what I think they're going to do is when they get into the negotiations, they're going to, they're going to throw a fairly low offer at him mm. and see if he, see if he wants to be here. And uh, if he doesn't, then he doesn't. All, all right. right, guys, we got to go to break. But when we come back, we will talk all things NFL Scouting Combine. But first, these words. Hi, this is Craig Mish from Swings and Mishes here on the Five Reasons Podcast Network. Just in case you missed any of our podcasts in the past, here's what you missed. We have been um, extremely aggressive in, in trying to acquire additional uh, international dollars, not just for, you know, uh, potential free agents with two first names. It's nice that that ownership is is fully supportive and allowing us to 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 do everything in our power um, to be um, the best team in, in in this region in the Gateway to America and 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 for Miami to become a destination spot for for all Latin players uh, because you know this is such an international city. Hey, I'm Josh Appel and I'm Billy O'Rourke. And we are the hosts of Five Reasons Sports Network's Pro Wrestling Podcast, Smark Your Territory, where we bring you the hard-hitting well, wrestling. No, well, not, no, we don't want to, it's not too hard-hitting because you don't want to hurt the other guy. It's more of a dance we're trying to do here. We're trying to keep it. Protect, protect the other guy. Yeah, you want to protect okay, the other so guy. Okay, so maybe we'll go more in-depth. Yeah, that's good. That's better. Smark Your Territory, Five Reasons Sports Network's Pro Wrestling Podcast with the most in-depth wrestling talk you'll find. And we're back. And the NFL scouting combine has started. Guys are getting prodded and you know probed and measured and all kinds of. Tyler weird. Murray was like six foot four today. Six four, two hundred and fifty five pounds, and he ran a four one forty. So. Yep. That will be that will be the narrative on Tuesday. And Eleven inch hands. Yes, like we said, that that horse is leaving the barn. That horse is already by California. Okay, and yeah. I left the barn here in Ocala, Florida. So, forget about Tyler Murray. But any other measurables that have come out here in the first day of the NFL scouting combine that grabbed your eye, and don't say DK Metcalf being like negative 6% body fat. Like, <laughs> that didn't happen. He doesn't have any fat. He yeah. doesn't even have cholesterol. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Well, he doesn't have any fat whatsoever anywhere. Yeah. Take it away, Chris. I think that actually I was going to talk about the receivers, <laughs> DK Metcalf. Um, I, I think you know, Simon and I were talking about it earlier. It's, it's kind of astonishing looking at the wide receivers and seeing how big they generally are because DK Metcalf is obviously huge. Uh, Nikhil Harry came out big. He's a tight end. And, uh, he, well, yeah, he's kind, of, he's kind of built a little bit um, that way. I wouldn't quite – Listen, if you're only 230, then you're not quite a did tight he, end. Did he weigh in at 242 pounds today? Did he? Was he 242? I thought he was two, in the 230s. Who's this? But it, DK, uh, DK Metcalf. Had, no, I don't think he was 242. He was 242? Oh, Jesus. No, I don't think so. 224, no. I thought he was. Yeah, yeah well, J.J. Arciaga, Whiteside, uh, turned out to be only be 5'10". Okay, and, uh, DK Metcalf was 6'3 and 3'8", 228 pounds. Yeah, see okay. that that's still wide receiver. I mean, he's he's huge. He's a big man, and he's ten uh, he's ten pounds lighter than Irv Smith. And, and <laughs> yeah, uh, Hakeem Butler though, uh, six foot five, and you know what was like two twenty five or something like that, and uh, with a seven foot wingspan, 
And you look across it and little Jordan Humphrey, you know, obviously really big there. But even what surprises me so much is like even the guys that aren't necessarily supposed to be big, like I've been watching Tyree Brady of Marshall for years and I didn't think of him as a six foot three inch, a full six foot three inch and 211 pound guy, but that's what he is. Yeah. And, and you're looking at David Sills is also pretty big. Um, and some other guys, we're just, we're talking about Paris Campbell, who's kind of the small slot dude at, at, uh, at really fast Ohio state. Um, he's a really fast guy and he's the run after catch kind of guy. He's over six foot and 208 pounds. I mean, this is these are big. These guys are coming in big. There's a lot of talent, a lot of big players in the wide receivers unit, and then the guys that aren't so big, they're actually some of the most compelling players of all. You know, like uh, like uh, Andy Isabella, he's a he's a a really good player. Greg Dortch of Wake Forest is a really good player. Um, You know, Penny Hart. A lot there's a lot of buzz about Penny Hart uh, around the Senior Bowl time for Georgia State. Jalen Myrick, the NC State kid. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of talent among these small guys. In addition to these guys that are like Jalen Hurd was huge mm, today, six uh, five. Yeah, I mean, he was a like running back, seven or something. I mean, like the, that. I thought the biggest issue was was Marquise Hollywood Brown. Yeah, oh, yeah, he, he's like five. He was five two pounds. He's five nine and three eights, one hundred and sixty six pounds. I mean, if you if you don't if you don't know how to quantify that. Darren Sproles was Darren Sproles was um was five six one eighty seven, that's twenty pounds heavier than Brown. Tyreek Hill was five eight one eighty five, that's nineteen pounds heavier than Brown. I, will I mean, say this, though, the comparison is Deshaun Jackson, and everybody's been saying that for a while. And Deshaun Jackson came in at five foot nine and three quarters. So just a little bit t- taller, but 169 pounds. That's mm. what he came into the combine at. So, um, so he's basically right in that neighborhood as Deshaun Jackson, and people have been comparing the two for a long time. And Deshaun Jackson, I have the utmost respect for him as a wide receiver in the NFL. He, is, he has been fantastic. I mean, Deshaun plays at 175 now, which is still 10 pounds heavier than – that Hollywood is. So I, mean, I think uh, uh, Pete Bukowski of Sports Illustrated said that Hollywood Brown's seventh lightest wide receiver in the combine since 2000. The only guy smaller to go into a significant NFL career is JJ Nelson, who was a fifth round pick, um, who didn't have a serious foot injury that, that Brown has. That is, yeah, um, but, I mean, we're splitting hairs if we're saying that he's so much smaller than what, than what Deshaun Jackson was when he came out. Yeah. You know, what he is it's now. Yeah, sure, sure, it's a concern, but I, I, I just think that it's, it's a concern to me when they don't fit what they're trying to be, right? When, mm-hmm. when he's supposed to be somebody else, like JJ, we just, I just mentioned the name, Arciaga Whiteside, um, is supposed to be this massive, you know, big because he's certainly not agile. He's certainly not, you know, um, really. Uh, he can't maneuver and, and be very elusive, but then he comes in, he's only six foot two and you know, he's two twenty five pounds, which is a good weight, but it, it, he's supposed to be sort of a hybrid tight end type of player. And he's really not that. Um, Desha- if this guy's supposed to be Deshaun Jackson and he came in almost identically to what Deshaun Jackson came in, then it still fits. Hmm. Here's a guy who's had a great combine in terms of size and what he's done on the bench is Garrett Bradbury. Uh, he mm. threw out 34 reps on the bench. He was six foot three, 360 pounds. 
CS the leader, yeah, yeah. So 306 pounds, 10 and a half inch hands. Uh, his arms are only 31, 6 eighths, wingspan 77. But this kid can really play, can't he? I mean, 34 on the benches. I mean, apparently he was genuinely pissed off that he only managed 34, like properly <laughs> angry um, that he got 34. But you just throw on the tape and you look at some of the reach blocks that he's able to do and the way he turns his body and seals yeah. off. Um, he is an athletic, just football savvy dude that is going to end up going in the first round. I mean, that that 34 on the bench is a, is a pretty beautiful performance. Where do we stand on, on Jonah Williams who came in with shorter arms than, than people would, you know, would like lots of sort of armchair Twitterati draft fans were like, Oh, can't play left tackle now. Then you've got Joe Thomas saying, well, his arms are longer than mine. And I didn't do too badly playing left tackle given I'm going to be a first ballot hall of famer. He didn't say that. That wouldn't be arrogant of him, but you know, that that's the score. Um, where, where do we feel like we? I mean, is this overblown in terms of the fact that really you're only talking about half an inch away from being, you know, in the the kind of the fairly mean uh, area that you're looking for 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 left tackles to play in the NFL? Do you think Jonah Williams? I mean, you throw him a tape at Alabama and he looks like an NFL left tackle to me, despite having half an inch shorter arms than perhaps you'd like. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, if you're worrying about half an inch on, on arm length, then, you know, who, who cares? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Could have stopped there, buddy. Could have stopped it if you worried about half an inch. <laughs> um, that would have been the perfect time for the tape to run out. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think I would care. Um, I don't think Miami would care if they were looking at – if they were in need of a left tackle. And they're, um, you know, with Pat Flaherty and his history, I don't think he would care. Uh, I think that um, some teams will and they'll pass on them maybe. But I don't think uh, Miami would be the kind of team that would pass on them under the current regime. But I don't think it – I also don't think it matters because Miami won't be in for them because they have Laramie Tunsil. And yeah. that's, that's pretty clear. So you wouldn't play them at left, you wouldn't play them at left guard? No, I don't, think, I don't think Miami would. I don't, I don't think they'd, okay. they'd view them as the value there. Interesting. Interesting. Anything else that stands out for you boys in terms of the early – motions that we've seen at the combine nothing really has happened uh in terms of um on-field drills obviously which start tomorrow just the bench um okay. and guys putting it there hasn't seemed to be you know there's nobody there's no pig prathers here who've put up five on the bench and spelt their name incorrectly um yeah uh, wasn't, he, wasn't he the guy with the lowest uh the lowest one yeah. i think he got three on the Wonderlick, and you get oh, two for getting your name right who got uh, Edward Pig Prather, the safety from Pig, Pig Ar Pig Arkansas, about uh, fifteen years was, ago. Was he Arkansas? I, for some reason, Mississippi State was State he one of the two? So like, yeah, uh, and that could just be because I've heard Keith talking about him. Uh, our friend, our friend Keith, talking about him quite a bit. I've just typed in his name into Google, and the first thing that comes out is Pig Prather Jail, um, <laughs> which is a shame. Uh, here you go. There's something called Whatever Happened to Pig Prather, which feels like oh, a rabbit wow. hole I'm going to end up going down. Yeah, why, why uh, not? Uh, just talk about yourselves for a sec. And then I, I I'd say there's a quarterback, and you know, while you look this up, I mean, for forgetting about Kyler Murray, who obviously – and we, we should mention this. I mean, he uh, for whether he's going to be relevant to the Miami Dolphins or not, which we don't think he is going to be, um, he did – 
he came out uh, just over five foot ten. So everybody that was talking about five foot eight and 180 pounds, I mean, he came over over five foot ten and 207 pounds. I don't think he necessarily would have been filled with a bucket of water or something like that because I think that it's it's normal for an athlete if I look at a defensive back like Derek Kindred came in at five foot ten and 207 pounds exactly and um and he played for the Browns and he's a safety and and nobody looked at that height weight and was like oh yeah you're you must have been you must have been all watered up or something like that. No, it just seems like a normal weight for a DB or for a running back or a wide receiver or somebody like that. But because as a quarterback, we're talking about it and we're like, you know, whatever. But he came out, he came out really good, you know, nine and a half inch hands um, as well as he could. And that's why we're talking about him number one overall. But I look at Easton Stick of North Dakota State. You know, he came in uh, six foot one and a quarter and 224 pounds. Now yeah. he might have been watered up. <laughs> well, that's, uh, the thing. That, that's the thing. Marcellus Wiley was was talking today on, on Fox, and he was and they were asking him about is it possible that Kyler Murray was actually watered up? And Marcellus Wiley said everybody is watered up, and he said that he watered up. He said he used to play at 260 pounds. He knew it was going to be hard to get drafted high out of the Ivy League, weighing 260 pounds, and he said he put on a bunch of fake weight to get up to 272 and then he got up to around 282 for his pro day so i think it's possible that calamari is probably not a true 207 pounds but who cares well he's, he's not he wasn't this year he wasn't I suspect, this year. I suspect his playing weight will be about 190 192 if I, we're realistic i, I don't know maybe, because you know what I, closer to could, 200 i would say go up. guys go up from here yeah, yes maybe. they do from college absolutely maybe. So here you are on the pig prey though, and I will just preface this by saying that the answers to this question, whatever happened to pig prey though, comes on a page with which there are related questions, one of which is, whatever happened to Pope, John, Paul, and Ringo, and would you abort baby Hitler? I'll just leave that one there um, for all the pro-lifers out there. Um, yes. Just let that, just, I'm just going to let that mull We're having a great episode. for a second. <laughs> So this is what happens when you get a real presenter. Um, okay, I'm joking now. Um, so there are two answers to whatever happened to Edward Pig Prather. The first is, known him since he was in junior high. He got drafted by the Texans and quit. Ended up in jail for drugs. Best athlete I've ever seen in my life. Sort of damning faint praise, but not as much as this one. Actually, he didn't go pro. He was just really dumb and weak against the pass. He now lives a couple of miles down the road from me in his hometown. He's a really lovely guy, though. See him quite a lot. Lovely man, even though I hate Michigan, uh, Mississippi State. So he was dumb, but a lovely fella. He's a lovely neighbor, though. He is a he's right neighborly. So yeah, oh, there you go. All right, guys, you guys ready to play a game? Do it. All right, how good are you at picking out or naming the all-time record leader in each position in the forty-yard dash? How many can you get? You're going to pick quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, safety, edge, defensive line, linebacker, cornerback, and offensive line. How many can you get out of the 10? Um, I, I, I can't guarantee that I'm going to get any, but um, – Some very well, well-known I, names. I, could, I, I know oh, that I could get – I know that I – wait. No, that's not true. I know that I could get some. I know that I, I get could get some. I can get some, but not okay. all. Over, yeah. under three, each of you. Can you get three? Yeah. Maybe. 
Okay. Mm. I think I can maybe get two. I reckon I can get. I reckon I can get wide receiver and cornerback. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, cool. I, I, actually, actually, I tell you what. I I reckon I can get three. I reckon I can get running back, wide receiver, and cornerback. You think you can sure get running can... back? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I uh, because I've interviewed this person. <laughs> That's the only way I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started. We'll start with Chris. You get one guess and one guess only. All right, Chris at quarterback. Who is the all-time leader? 40-yard dash. Well, you say all-time, but you, you also said earlier that this is like 2006. Is from, yeah, it's from 2006 and on, uh, the measurements that they have on the combine electronically timed. Yeah. Um, if we have to go with the quarter uh, – God, uh, did, did Marcus Mariota actually run? Um, Tell you what, I will give yeah. you guys – I will give you guys a hint. Number two on the list is RG3. He ran a 4-4-1. Now give me number wow. one. Wow. Oh, God. Um, no, I was going to go with Tyrod Taylor, but no, our RG3 was faster than that. Our RG3 was faster than Tyrod. Tyrod Taylor was number five. He ran 451. Oh, did he run a 451 electronic? Yes. Ah, shit. Um, well, I mean, Vic ran a 433. That's Vic. Yeah, that should be the answer, but that was back Actually, in Actually, Marcus Vic ran a 442. Mar- Marcus Vic ran it. Yes. Okay. All right, he was he was post two thousand six. Wasn't what what year was he? Marcus Vick was in two thousand six. Oh, okay. So who who did you say was the second fastest? Back. I know I know the wide receiver. I mean, okay, the second fastest was RG three. In two thousand twelve, okay. he ran a four four one. I would have said Mariota, but okay. Yeah, Mariota. I I remember he didn't he run like a four five zero because uh, yeah four five one or something. I get yeah, the I sense that you guys are not going to get this one. He ran a four-three-five, no. and he ran it in two thousand six. I'm just going to give it to you guys. Reggie, oh, you, it's not Marcus Book. It's no, not it Marcus Reggie Mc... McNeil out of Texas A&M. Oh, I know Reggie oh, McNeil. Two thousand six. Yes, wow. in two thousand six, he he holds the record. Other I notes, felt like ninety six. I like Reggie Smith. Remember Brad Smith from two thousand six? Yeah. He ran a great All Star game. I liked him as a quarterback, and he ended up well. You know, that's kind of a trick question because he he went into the NFL immediately with the Cincinnati Bengals as a wide receiver. Reggie McNeil did. I remember Reggie because I liked him. I was one of the few people that liked him as a quarterback, and uh, and he actually had a hell of an All Star game that year. I think he might have gotten the MVP of his game. Texas A&M uh, kid, and um, and he, you know, he he went immediately. Nobody gave him a shot at quarterback. He went to the Cincinnati Bengals. He was a wide receiver all the way. All right, let's move on. Running back Simon. Yes, I know the answer to this because I've interviewed him. Chris Johnson. Oh yeah, ran a ran a four twenty five, four twenty four, four twenty four. You record. got it. That's him. Yeah. That's that's Still. the all time leader. Chris so Simon. He was the record holder until the number one wide receiver, which I'll get, is John Ross. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes, at 422, <laughs> John Ross. So John Ross. both of you already have one in the bag with seven more positions to go. Okay, I know. I've All right, Simon, you get the first crack at tight end. Oh, can I just pick a position? <laughs> no, because we're going, we're going in order. Just pick and, pick and choose. I just want to pick the ones I know. All right, tight end. You guys have to know this because I knew this before I clicked on it. You knew it before? Is, is it David Njoku? No. Oh, shit. Okay. 
Um, it's definitely not Greg Olson. He very famously. Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know the answer. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, Vernon uh, Davis. Davis. That's it. That's it. Yeah. At four three eight, he's the all time leader. There you go. Okay, so Chris has two in the bag. I got two. Nice. I mean, you're going to win this, Chris, because the only person, the only other one I know is a corner, and that's going to come last. <laughs> All right. Safeties. Oh, okay. So we're, safety. going, we're going in order, Boy, except for wow. we switch to safeties. Wow, that's, yeah. that's not in order at all. No, safeties. The fastest safety in NFL combine history. And I will blow your mind. You ready? Because it's not Earl Thomas. It was last uh, year. He set the record last year. Uh, Amos? No, he wasn't a rookie. Um, no. All right. Jesus Christ. All right, you already got a guess, Chris. Your turn, Simon. Oh, great. Um, All right. It wasn't a serious. Just safety at last year's combat. I don't um, think you guys are gonna get this. <laughs> yeah. Was it the? It's the. It's not Amos. It, it is it the other Penn State guy? Uh, Ap, Apke. You got it. <laughs> okay. Troy oh, Apke. Yeah, Troy Apke. He ran a four. So Amos, Amos and Apke are like the same person to me. <laughs> they're 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 both Penn State. They both weren't that good, and they both were absurdly fast. I think. Okay. Now this is an interesting one. All right. Last year at Edge, there was two guys that mm. had the record, but one broke it on his second run. Oh. I'll give you the guy that had it and then lost it in last year's. Oh, oh that's good. That was that's Lorenzo good. Carter. Okay. Favorite of mine, Low Carter. Okay, yeah. For edge players at four five zero, this guy came after him and reset the record last mm. year. Who was it? Well, technically, I would I would say that Shaquem Griffin was an edge player. No, uh, he was a linebacker, wasn't he? Yeah. It, well, he was an he was an outside linebacker in a three four. He was a pass rusher. And that's but he was he was counted in the uh, he was counted in the um, what should we call it? Wasn't he? Yeah. Was it? Was it? Yeah, he was in the linebacker group. Was it Bradley Chubb? Nope. Uh, oh, it's not my. It's not. It's not Davenport. Uh, that was my no. guy. Um, I, I. I really. I'm not going to get this. I'm. I'm definitely not going to get it. Um. I'm, I'm, what was the time? The guy. The time was four four eight. Four four eight. Damn. Jesus. And I'll even give you another one. Another one. The top six times, in actually the top ten times. In NFL history, for edge players, was set mm-hmm. last year. Just last, just last year. Just last year. The top ten. The top ten. Like all, it, all ten. By, yes, and it was by increments of tenths of a second. Was it Harold Landry? Very, very close. Because really? he was off by five tenths. The leader was Leon Jacobs of Wisconsin. I wouldn't oh, have got a linebacker. He's, he's yeah. as much of an edge player as Shaquem Griffin. Well, I take it up with uh, the scouting combine and the NFL because I got this. I wouldn't have got that if we'd have kept on guessing until next Christmas. <laughs> All right, Shaquem, now I I, I, uh, I I would like to object. I think that Shaquem Griffin was an actual edge player, and Leon Jacobs is not. So, All right, Simon, so, mean, you get this one first. Defensive lineman. Oh, I mean, offensive line or cornerback is the ones I keep telling you about. <laughs> All right, you We're are, not going to give you any of those. All right, you said that you have the offensive lineman, right? Give me the offensive lineman, Simon. Okay. Is it not? Is it Teron Armstead? There it is. Nice seven one in the bank. Nicely done or something. It was yeah. You it was four seven one. 
Oh, four Adam. Which, which is the other? <laughs> which is the other uh, one that you have, Simon? That you know you have. Cornerback. All right, give it to me. Stanford Row. Nope, that is incorrect. It was really? set in 2017. 2017. Who's the fastest? Stanford Row ran a 4:27. Wow. So this guy beat that. Yep. Wow. Um, who is? He's kind of uh, obscure. Yeah. I'm not going to get it then. Okay. Oh, okay. I know who it is. Oh, fuck. What's well, there's name? actually a tie. There's actually two uh, guys on their, on their database that they have as holding the record simultaneously. Okay, 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 okay. Hold on one sec. Hold on one sec. Hold on one sec. One guy ran it in he 2011. Played, the other one played in 2017. He, I will accept either one. He played in the Big Ten for yes. Minnesota, mm-hmm. and his name is... Oh. His name is Jalen My. Myrick, Myrick, Myrick. You got it. You got it. Yes. <laughs> and he shares the record with University of Miami standout Demarcus Van Dyke from 2011. Well, but Stanford Route ran a 420. Stanford Route is faster than those two. Well, they Myrick ran a. F- well, the what, what, what time have you got for Myrick? Does, the NFL scouting combine does not recognize it. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to Google Stanford Route. Right. Where? When did Route play? Angry letter. It's probably I don't know. He just doesn't qualify on this list all right now. Chris, you already got. You know who the linebacker is, right? Oh, yeah, Griffin. Griffin. Yes. All right. So I'll give you both of them. Then. But I think I, I want to say that um, Michael Kendricks might have actually run even faster. But I'm, but Stanford yeah. uh, Stanford route was two thousand and five. That's why. Okay, that's why. Okay. All right. Rule. Now, by my count, both of you have four in the bank, and this is the tiebreaker: defensive mm-hmm. line. Whoa, I'll whoa, go to whoa, you whoa, first, whoa, Chris. Whoa, 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 whoa! Which four has Chris got? Well, that's actually... <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sorry. He, he's a he's like a brother from another mother, but he hasn't got four. <laughs> he has Ross. He has the tight end. He has the safety. Yeah, whoa, he has whoa, three. Whoa. He has three. Yeah. Oh, I did get and... the tight end, and I did get the safety, and I did yes. get Ross. No, and he yeah. had he had a he had a Shaquem Griffin. No, he he's... didn't. He's no, he I said Shaquille Griffin was, as a linebacker. As, a, as an edge player. We weren't talking about well, linebacker. I mean, he's, he's one we'd of already, the two. We'd already said Griffin. No. I mean, this, is the most, this is the most remarkable <laughs> level of cheating I've ever come across. All right, then let's this call is it. Astonishing. Right, Chris, do, you accept, do you accept that you are down 4-3 at this point? No. Yes. Oh, my God. Because I, I should have the edge. I should have the, the edge one should be mine. But you can't just Griffin was much more of an edge player than Leon Jenkins. And if you don't give him give it me for the edge, then give it to me for the linebacker because I had Shaquem Griffin all the way. Okay. I will give you all right. That is an absolute outright. Let's go to the let's just go to the defensive line. Who These are American the rules, Simon. Yeah. Who holds clearly. the record on the defensive line? For every so time talking, you get it wrong, I will give you another hint. Are we talking uh, interior are we talking it, interior it, defensive it's, line? Don Terry Poe? No. Okay, you just blew a guess. Okay, so now talking... Simon gets Simon gets a hint. What What are we talking about though? Is it just defensive tackles? No, it's defensive line. Oh, defense ends, ends. Oh wait. Well, so it, okay, ends. What's the difference yes. between that and an edge player? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because edge, they they consider edge ends and outside linebacker types, three four types. So these are the defensive linemen. So Simon gets a hint. This guy played in the AFC East. Fucking hell. 
Okay. Well, but but this depends whether you're counting him as an edge rusher or as a. So, fuck what's his name? He's going to be a whole. That's probably before two thousand and five, though. I was going to say mm. Dwight Freeney, but mm. that's before two thousand and five. Oh, I got the answer. I've got the answer. Oh, oh my I god! Of course, no, yes. Maybe. I need you to guess so I can guess again. Um, so it, it clearly can't be Free, Freeney, can it? No, it is not no. Dwight Freeney. To go ahead, Chris. I was going to go with uh, Aaron Maben. No, it is not Aaron Maben. Ooh. And here's another guess. And since you jumped the gun, Simon gets another hint. Okay. I didn't jump the gun. He went to NC State. <laughs> oh, I know. God damn it. I hate you. I object to this one, too. I'll give you another hint. I want to I, draft them in the first round. I, I, can I just say it? <laughs> just say it. Go ahead. Uh, it's Manny Lawson. Yes, it is. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> he ran a 4-4-3 in 2006. And objection, yeah. objection being that yeah. he ended up being a Sam linebacker. I was going to say, I'm not putting him down as a defensive lineman. Yeah, well, take it up with take it up ass. with the NFL itself because that's who gave me. Yeah, I will. I'm writing. I'm, a I'm pretty sure that the person who wins this competition is the person who guessed Teron Armstead, and that would be well, that would be me. That would I, be me. No, I'm sorry, but Troy Apke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I was mean, pretty good. You, you guessed good. the other Penn State guy, and then Alf went. No, 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 it's not here. It's the it's his teammate. And you <laughs> no, went, oh, he Apke. Oh, and he did. He, that. Oh, he literally did. That. He literally did. I said that. And then he, get, then he gave you his first name. Roll back the tape. Unbelievable. Roll back this, the tape. We have this no ability. Like, right. this, like, this is like the Oscars when La La Land won and then somebody else read out, <laughs> or when Moonlight won and somebody else read out La La Land. It's a, disgr- right. it's a flat out disgrace. This is next racism. Week, next week, we will talk about the actual cone drill and the 20-yard shuttle, the 60-yard shuttle, the broad jump, the vertical jump, bench press, 40-yard dashes. That's it. There is no more. Next week, we start talking combine and we ramp up our draft coverage. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.